Hello everyone, it's Purse, and I'm burnt out from recording way too many episodes all at once, but today we're going to talk about what to expect when you go to therapy. Um, and I already have a, an episode titled this, I think, or something to the effect of this, but I realized upon listening to it that it was more so like, how do you acquire therapy if you don't have the means and if you're different ages but this time I'm literally going to walk you through my various experiences of just common denominators because I've I've history time I've gone to or I've seen multiple psychotherapists I've seen multiple um well one social worker and different psychiatrists from different systems and there are a couple like a lot of common things that I find happen or at least around my area um when I go to look for someone to treat me. Uh, so let's get started. <clears throat> First of all, you need to look for someone. And the way that I looked for someone was a mix of the internet and word of mouth. Um, I mean, either could work for you, you know, what works for one, for one person definitely slash might not work for someone else. So even if your friend swears by their psych or their therapist and, you know, they buy them flowers every appointment and they go on coffee dates. That's not appropriate. Don't go on coffee dates with your mental health support team. But, um, you know, even if your friend thinks that their support team members poop smells like roses, you might go see them and realize that their methods and their approach doesn't work for you. Um, and that's okay, you know? So word of mouth is great if you have so many options and you just need to nail it down or you're looking for at least just someone reputable, you know, you maybe you, you've experienced fraud and you just want to know that the person you're seeing just is good enough, then that's one thing. Um, but the internet is also a fine and dandy source. As long as you know where to look and you know how to make sure that whoever you're giving your money to, assuming that they can't bill straight to your insurance, and even if they do bill straight to your insurance, you want to ensure that whoever you're working with is not fraudulent and isn't going to cause you problems in the long run. Um, so once you've found a person or a couple of peoples, um, you're going to have to find you're still going to have to find their website at some point, whether it's a word of mouth or you're already looking on the internet or looking in ads or driving around. I don't know how you find businesses, but you need to find their number and preferably also look through their website or any sort of hard copy material they have. If you're picking up hard copy material, I assume you're already at the office, so maybe just talk to a person there. But figure out what their um, what their kind of like intake process is like and figure out if they're even accepting patients. There are um, kind of like collectives of um, of mental health professionals where they all kind of work in one office and there's a secretary and whatnot and like one person isn't, um, and it's like a group, and even if one person that you're maybe holding out on, um, you know, they themselves are not available or are not accepting new patients, um, because they're a collective, it will be easier for them to refer you to someone who may actually be accepting new patients because they all talk and they all know each other. If you're seeing someone who is, or you wish to see someone who kind of does their own independent practice, best practices kind of dictate that if a mental health professional or any sort of doctor or, you know, legal professional, anyone who's in a position where they're helping of someone or people in vulnerable population, 
in anyone who's helping a vulnerable population of people, the best practice is even if they decide that they cannot see you for whatever reason, they will still refer you to someone who they believe can best suit your needs. Um, and just because that's the nice thing to do. That's the best thing to do, um, in my opinion and in the opinion of many professionals. So um, that's another thing to look out for too. See if they're taking, if they're even taking in new patients. Um, one of the people that I wanted to see was a psychologist um, and she was not taking in new patients, which was very unfortunate. Um, and I went through a couple other people and I found some good people that I'm with right now. Um, there's multiple processes processes that um different different people and groups and websites go through um some individuals most if not all have um a phone number attached to a secure voicemail um that you can like leave your information um on and you know your just your name your phone number um a little bit about your like Hey, I found you. I'm looking for these kinds of services. I'm I'm hoping that you um actually I'm going to give you a good template cuz I know some of y'all don't like talking on the phone. And also even if you are sending an email or something, you can just use this this template. So, hi, my name is so and so. Um my number is insert your number here and I've been dealing with I don't know, insert your issues, you know, have I've been I don't I don't know insert your issues or you know I'm not even I've either been dealing with and insert your issues here or I'm not exactly sure what I'm dealing with but I know something's wrong um I have I have an idea of maybe it's these things or I have no idea if it's these things um I was wondering if you were taking in new patients um or if not if you could refer me to someone who was um or who is taking in new patients, because um, I I just would really like to see someone, uh, you can contact me at and insert a number or an email or both. Um, thank you so much for your time. And then just say your name. So, hi, my name is Purse. My number is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one. Um, and I... I have been having a tough time with intrusive, irrational thoughts, um, self-harm maybe, and poor eating habits, um, and it's a, it's been affecting school, and my it's been straining my relationship with my parents, and I just need someone to talk to, and I was referred by X, or I found your website through this, um, if you could please, or I, I share, I was referred by Stacy, or you know, I found your website through best psychiatrist ever in life.com. Um, if you could please call me back or email me back if this is an email or message me, page me back, I don't know, whatever. Um, at a at you know, whenever as soon as possible. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Again, my email is purse, 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 purse at email.com, or my number is one, two, three, four five six seven eight nine one um thanks and sign purse whatnot uh so there you go that's that's a really bad template have fun playing that back and slowing it down and speeding it up to type that all out um but i might actually side note i might make a blog post that has a whole bunch of like templates for like 
Um, a message you could send to your psychiatrist, a message that you can send to your teacher if you're asking for, or a professor, if you're asking for an extension or a work, work deadline extension, you know, all kinds of just like sample messages that you can leave as voicemails or just copy and paste as emails. Cause I know a lot of people have a really tough time writing messages, um, to, you know, either medical professionals or their bosses or their coworkers or their professors or whatnot. So even if that article is already on my blog, please somehow make a note of like this question right here, like make a note like this is after I listen to your podcast about what to expect from therapy and let me know what kind of template you would like. Now I'm not like writing like fake doctor's notes or anything. No, this is like just a template for me to write from like your perspective, like say like just a blank temp- template. So like, hello, prof. And then I put blank. Um, I, and then, you know, blank. And I'd say like your name here. I will not be in class on or f- on and then insert date or for and then insert amount of days or whatnot because of issues related to my accessibility status. Um, I'm so sorry to have to miss your lecture or I won't be here for insert reason here. Um, please, you know, please, um, refer to my accessibility letter or accommodation status or whatnot, and then insert PDF or link or whatnot, or make contact with my counselor at, and then insert email here. They are also CC'd on this email, make sure to CC them on the email best and then enter your name, like a template like that. So you can literally just copy and paste it, put in your own relevant information and send it off. Because I know sometimes I don't even have issues when it comes to communication, like over the phone or writing emails. And I know a lot of people do because they're afraid they don't sound professional enough or they're being awkward or whatnot. I just know that sometimes when I get really depressed and I have no motivation to do literally anything, the last thing that I want to do is draft a well-worded, proof-edited, respectful, professional, you know, whole text to email to someone when all I want to do is sleep all day. Or even worse, I don't want to be stuttering, sounding like a bumbling idiot on the phone to someone who is going to be marking my papers. Um, So it's nice to have a template read out. So yes, um, DM me might be the best or tweet at me, but make sure, like, be specific that this is what you're talking about. And even if I already have a post up on my blog, I can do multiple templates because, of course, I won't know all of your guys' needs and just let me know, like, please do a template so I can message my dentist. Please do a template for my doctor. Please do a template for my boss or for my athletic coach, and I will do them for you or I'll try my best, you know? Anyway, um, yeah, so first of all, you're going to need to contact them. Either call them on the phone or um, email them. And then they're going to call you back. And, you know, they might just leave a message, um, like a voicemail if you don't answer. Uh, A lot of uh, psychiatrists or a lot of, like, mental health professionals, they text now from their numbers. Their numbers are attached to, like, separate phones or to iPads, which is really, really nice for uh, reasons that I'll get into later. But uh, it's nice. Well, some reasons is for um, setting up appointments. You don't need to necessarily get them on the phone. You can just say, hey, conflict, can I switch appointments or whatnot? And it's just so much easier. Um, and on the initial phone call, it's usually just like 15, 20 minutes and it's free. Um, at least where I am is free. I honestly don't know if I would really 
mess with a professional who's charging you for like a phone call that's like what are you about and can I see you um and most time they call like they call you and it's super super broad it's like the broadest thing ever they're just like hi is this whoever and I usually just say yeah this is she and they ask you you know hi I got your message or I got your email and I'm just calling to you know see if you still want the service like is there anything that you in particular wanted to talk about I know you mentioned this this or that and you can say yeah you know I've just experienced this or I I watched the show like me I was watching Team Mom and someone was talking about BPD and I was like oh my gosh um or you can say like I've gone through therapy already and I axed it because someone told me I had anxiety and I didn't agree with that at all but now I need to come back because I ruined my life um I'm totally not taking inspiration from myself or you can say you know I don't know what's wrong but I know something's wrong I literally I actually said that to um one of the people I was on the phone with, I was like, I don't know what's wrong, but I just literally feel like I'm going crazy and I just need help. And she was like, I'm so sorry you feel like that. Let's like get let's get you going. I can connect you to these people. Like let's let's get going. So um sometimes you talk to the person themselves. Sometimes um instead of leaving a message on a box like you get a receptionist and they will schedule in you in for times or whatnot. It depends on how fancy. Um the offices and whether the person is you know working on their own private practice or in a whole group so sometimes you need to talk to more people than less people but be aware that like you shouldn't be telling private information or you shouldn't have to or feel pressured into telling your private information to anyone other than the person you are supposed to be seeing and even in those cases like those 15 minute like 10 15 minute phone calls are not for you to like spill out your life story like it's literally just for them to get a feel of like what issues or if you if you've already been to therapy and you've already you know what you want like if this person is not uh if this person is like strictly an eating disorder specialist and you have issues with depression and anxiety they and you tell them like I've been here for I've been to these people for depression and anxiety that phone call is for them to say without you spending any money wasting time going to see them for them to say you know I don't specialize in this but I can refer you to someone so it's not supposed to be like a whole a whole big thing it's just supposed to be like I don't know what's wrong with me or I have an idea or I definitely know but I'm going back to therapy like it's really really straightforward and through that um, if they f- say like, yes, I'm taking new patients and yes, I'll, I'll deal with what you're dealing with. They'll ask you, you know, are you good to set an appointment now? You, they, they shouldn't be calling you at a time where it's like not convenient for them to set an appointment. And that's a situation where you can say, yes, I have my calendar. Let's, let's talk about it. Or if you're out and about, you can say, no, is there a way that I can reach you like in the next couple of days or like by the end of the day? And I always like to ask if they do take texts. Um, from the number that we've been calling from because once we've had that first conversation um, I just find it a huge hassle to call and confirm because people tend to like to like have both ends on the phone if you're calling to make sure both people can hear like on this day yep because voicemails a lot of things can get lost so I just say you know do you text from this number can I just text you it's much easier and then if they say no just ask for their email and say okay can I email you instead because phone calls while they're great are also a hindrance um then you know you wait for your appointment day whatever appointment day um I mean you might need to bring something you might it depends if you've seen someone before um I what I did when I was switching through like active providers or like mental health providers I um 
I was preparing preparing myself to ask my new person if they would be okay with talking to the old person that I saw to just get new notes. There's multiple ways you can do this. If you're like moving to a different country or like across the country or something, you can um you can be proactive, um, especially if you don't want to like waste time or whatever. And a couple sessions before you know you're stopping the sessions with whoever you're currently with, you can ask them to kind of either put all of your files together if you know you're like never going to see them again, like put all their notes together or whatever and photocopy them and hand them to you and then you can give them to whomever. Here's another caveat. At least I'm in Canada, so I know this is for Canada and I'm pretty sure this is the same for the United States and for any sort of like northern, you know, developed country, whatnot. But uh, generally, from my understanding, at least in Canada, at least in Ontario, is that you have a right to see your medical records. So no one should be allowed to tell you, like, no, you definitely cannot have your medical records. There are different, there are reasons why, no, okay, certain health providers can deny you your right to see your file and notes that were made on you, um, but it's for specific reasons. Some of them are for, like, if they think it's going to be trigger- triggering and, like, you can't, like, you 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 won't be able to mentally handle it if they think you're going to read it um or if there's just like other like non-genuine reasons why you want them you know um or you're not in a good place or they feel like you're being coerced like there's slight there's very strict but like there are reasons why they can deny your medical records but they should be able to articulate that and you should be able to say okay if you're not going to give them to me why and they don't have a good answer you can, you know, threaten to write them up. You can say, you know, these are my rights. Know your rights. These are my rights. And I want my medical records. And if you can't give me a good reason, I will go to whoever licensed you and it will be a problem. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people, whether it's mental illness or physical illness, when you're going through chronic illness and, you know, you're really stressed, the last thing you want to do is to fight people. And it can be really hard to advocate for yourself, but just remember your rights, you know, don't be pompous, don't be belligerent, don't be erratic, but like, remember your rights. Um, you should be able to have your medical records. Um, anyway, and even if your current provider says, I really don't want to give these to you because I think it can be like triggering or wrong, or like you just, it won't be productive for you to have physically, because I'm not sure what you will do with them. If your purpose is to transfer them over to a new provider, then be very honest about that. Be very open about that um, and get them not just to tell you in session, in person, but email them about it and say, like, I wanted to get this in writing. Will you, if you won't give my information to me, will you, if I give you the information of my new provider, either fax it to them or, you know, scan it and email it to them or mail it to them, whatever, will you get this these papers in the hands of my new provider and make sure you get it in writing because you want to you want to have paper trails for everything so that's that's my little soapbox of just like know your rights and take care of yourself but basically um if you if you're with your old provider and you know you have time ask ask them and it's just courteous to give them as much time as possible especially the longer that you've seen each other because it might be you know a whole lot of notes they need to copy or they need to transfer over um ask them you know can you compile all of my notes, so I can give it to my new uh, my new provider, or they can consolidate. You know the things that um, the things that you've worked on, you kind of checked off. Um, they can talk about the things that you're currently working on. Um, just a little like 
summary about you and what it is that you've worked you've been working on so you don't need to say everything all again all at once and you also have that kind of like professional backup of like this is who I've been seeing and this is what they think of me and the progress that we've been making I personally because I'm close to both of my providers like like geog geographically and like time wise like it's we're pretty much a couple cities away what I did and again you can get your providers to email each other or to phone call each other what I did was I just signed a um a release or yeah a release of like my information or whatever and some people will require you to sign like and in each of them independently will have their own forms which is why if you're making a huge trek like across the country or something you want to make sure your old provider knows what you intend to do before you leave that location because with the advent of you know emails and stuff it's easy to like draft up an email and say like I insert name here like I purse this email is to prove that you can email with my new provider but if they have a very strict system of like we want you to sign our proper documentation of release forms you don't want to be faxing things and scanning things no 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 make it clear what your intentions are very early on and then you will have less problems so I had to sign a release on the side of both my my previous provider who also provides for me on occasion and my newest provider um, I signed separate papers for both of them. Um, and then they played a bit of phone tag and catch up and then they finally got on the phone together and they've talked about me and my previous providers telling my current provider just about, you know, things that, um, I've told, I've told that individual about, um, and things that they're working on and things that, you know, they thought about me and all that, all that jazz and some of those notes. So you can get different providers to talk to each other. Oh, that was long. If you don't have a provider, then it's just, it's new. You know, it's a whole new thing. And I remember when I, it was new for me. And I, the very, very first time I went, the first time I went and like, I didn't really click with the person and it just wasn't for me at the time. You know, I went in for a very specific reason. And it was because I couldn't get over a situation that had happened in my past. Um, and I needed to just work it through with that first provider. And I could tell that I just, I didn't feel like I was being taken seriously. I felt foolish. I felt like I was kind of wasting money, even though it was covered by insurance. And like, I just didn't want to go and, you know, all those different things. And it just, you know, um, so it didn't work for me. But when I first went in, because I went in with a very specific purpose, I sat down and my first provider was just kind of like, what, what is it that you want to talk about? And I just told that person the story and I told them where I was and how I was feeling and why I was there. And I have this thing that I do where I pad for time, but that's an individual thing. And I got asked questions. I had to fill out forms. Um, everyone that I had gone to see had forms for me. Some people had them already on their website, you know, and they pretty much just said, can you print these off and have them filled out? And some of them had, like said, fill out everything. Some of them said, do not sign anything. Just fill out your information, but don't sign anything because I need to witness it or whatnot. But basically, sometimes you need to print it out yourself and fill it out because it takes up a bit of time. Um, and it's best if you just walk in. You'll maximize your time if you just do it on your own time. Then you walk in and you start the talk therapy and you get what you pay for. Um and some people you walk in and they'll have the form for you and they'll say like, can you fill this out for me? Um, so those are two different things. You do need to fill out forms. They'll usually ask for like your name, 
um, your birthday, your address, a couple of um, emergency contact information. Some are more involved than others. You know, some are like slight packages and you need to like cross off like, excuse me, um, are these things that you've dealt with? What are you dealing with? You know, mood checks, all these things. I found that, you know, psychiatrists tended to have like really full, like huge mood um, matrix things where it's like, I feel happy about my life. One being not at all and five being the most ever. Um, Larger offices that have multiple people working and it's very like standardized just documents for everyone and like psychiatrists and whatnot and like the university facilities I've seen have more robust like longer form things I find and that's probably just because it would take more effort to have individual forms for like different purposes for separate um all the separate workers they have whereas they can just have one long form and even if parts of the questionnaires doesn't apply to you it would apply to someone else compared to like someone who kind of just works on their own in their own private practice they have i guess more resources to connect with you or whatnot so it's more of a simple like i hereby I'm going to participate in this and here's my emergency contacts and a little bit of information about me. And one thing that everyone has asked me um, in every single form that I've gotten, it's I've always seen the question and it's like, talk about some of the goals that you want to have coming into therapy and you can say, you know, marriage reconciliation or getting better at relationships or being less stressed or getting more sleep or all these kinds of things. And then it's like three weaknesses that you have. Um, and then three strengths and it can be hard especially if you're dealing with mental health issues and mental health issues where your self-perception is skewed because you can see like three three strengths what do you mean three strengths like I'm terrible at everything but I'm just telling you um it's a lot easier to just like write something you know um even if it's like a semblance of truth like if you like to draw just say like I I can draw you don't even need to say I draw well just say I can draw you know, draw a stick figure, like, there you go, like, drawing something, you know, I, um, I don't know, like, I type things, you write fanfic, I write on occasion, I don't know, just list some strengths, um, but that's a question that always caught me off guard, not because I didn't have an answer, but it's like, why do you want three strengths, and maybe it's just check your self-esteem, I don't know, maybe I should ask someone, anyway, so you fill out those forms, and, um, even if you did have a previous provider, chances are, your new provider haven't hasn't called them um even by your first session and i personally didn't want to sign like the papers over and have my new and previous provider like talk to each other until after i had met my previous my new provider um for about three or four sessions i think it actually might have been two or three sessions and this is a personal thing this doesn't need to be like what you do but i personally wanted my new provider to make their own assumptions about me before having someone build a mold of who I am and like put ideas in their head and then they meet me but everything that I'm saying is being filtered through the perceptions that they've already been given if that makes sense like if I wanted a watered down version of the analysis that and here's the thing I'm I'm like I'm so for my previous provider like I'm seeing my previous provider in the summer and my current one in the school year like I it's not that they are a bad provider at all this is just a general thing that I'm thinking where it's like I don't want the water like if I wanted to have be like assessed by the watered down opinions or distorted opinions of my previous provider 
I would just do email like therapy sessions with my previous provider in lieu of going to see her in person. I am going to a new provider because I'm also getting that new provider's like fresh input on, I suppose, my life and my issues, right? So I want that individual to have their own assumptions of me and then tweak them in regards to what my new provider tells them rather than have a huge, like they're a complete conception created for them by my previous provider and then they meet me and they have all these like assumptions and hang-ups and whatnot or all this information about me that I didn't even get to disclose myself and this can be different for all kinds of people some people want you know their providers to be in contact way before because they just want to start where they left off or they don't want to have to rehash anything and I might get to that point where I've seen 10 people and I'm over telling my story and I'm tired of it and so many parts of it is irrelevant to me speaking it even though it's relevant to I suppose the general makeup of me and I'll just say do not do not schedule me for anything until you talk to my previous provider because I don't want to go through the whole shebang again. I might get to that point but currently I want my provider my newest provider to make their own assumptions about me before anyone else makes those assumptions for them. Um, now, once you start talking to them, um, again, if, if, if it's a completely new meeting and they haven't heard anything about you previous, um, you'll probably, it's going to be a lot of get to know you. It's going to be like, why are you here? You know, have you been feeling, you know, they might, each provider has their own way of kind of assessing people. And some of them have screenings and some of them have their own like number systems and they ask you questions, you know, how anxious are you feeling? How empty are you feeling? All these different questions. So they'll have leading questions. And if you feel like you have nothing to say, and I've literally gone to appointments where I'm like, I don't know why I'm here, but it was scheduled and I don't want to pay the cancellation fee. So here I am. They will ask you questions. They might not probe anything out of you if you don't want to. I mean, some people, depending on who they're with, they might you know, they might just mesh and they might just blurt things out even when they don't mean to. I myself find that like, if I have nothing to say, I'm really good at padding for time, but I'll just answer the random questions that they have until the the time's up. Um, It's not like they have this like magical wand or witch magic in the moment they like wave it in the air. Even if you go and you don't want to spill your guts, you still spill your guts. If you truly don't want, you know, the help that day, you're not going to get it. Um, but you'll you'll talk and even if your providers do, you know, connect with each other previous, you'll probably still need to have some awkward like get to know you introductory conversation. The first couple the first couple like uh appointments I have with any new provider I find for me are extremely unproductive in the sense of like they're like the first week of school or the first day of school. You go there's not really any point aside from like locking down your seat. You play a icebreaker of like, what did you do last summer? And tell me three cool facts about you. You learn or you're supposed to memorize a bunch of names that half of them you'll forget by the next semester. Same kind of thing. You walk in, you give very basic, you know, Facebook level information like your name, your parents, how many siblings you have, what not. Maybe by the end you'll get into some deeper stuff. Um, They tell you about their own practices and the specific methods they use. It's kind of clinical. It's just, you know, you got to get through it, but you kind of leave feeling like I just 
and just spend a hundred dollars from that but it it is what it is um now getting back to the purpose or the point of texting an email what is great about texting an email and here's the thing i am not telling you to abuse this yes these people are your support teams but they're also providing a service that is not free because everyone needs to live so you know don't be afraid to message them in crisis you might get into an emergency appointment or whatnot but you are paying for the 50 minutes 55 minutes i don't know 120 minutes that you go to see them once a week or once every couple weeks you are not also paying them additionally for every text of yours that you answer or that they answer because you're in crisis so keep that in mind just as a courteous person you know um you know like if it's an emergency it's a real emergency but don't try and get like free counseling through text and email however if there are topics that are like traumatic and things that you would experience and you don't necessarily want to talk about them you either like you just can't verbalize them that happened to me for the longest time I was in there's a couple things that like I just couldn't say and I would just sit there and it was like I would be thinking about it and ruminating it ruminating ruminating about it and trying to get it out of my voice box and I just couldn't say it and I was offered the option of texting my provider or emailing my provider so that the next meeting or even just writing it in a note and at the beginning of a session handing it to them or at the end of a session handing it to them so that they read it for the next session um just describing what it is that I wanted to say that I just couldn't say um so a great thing about text a great thing about email is that you can tell them you can say I have these things that are a huge part of you know, why I'm going through these issues, or at least I think they're a huge part of why I'm going through these issues, but I just, I can't say it. Can I text you? Can I email you in between sessions? Can I write it down on a note? You know, can I just type it up on my phone and hand it to you um, and have you read it instead of me tell you? And I've never yet have someone say like, no, like you can't do that. Um, So that's one thing. Another thing that I've had happen because I'm having my previous provider and my new provider, um, talk to each other it's just like I just told them both I was like I told my old provider I was like you know the things that we talked about that it took me a real long time to tell you tell my new provider all those things on the phone because I don't want to repeat them and I told my new new provider I was like here there's some information um about me that you should know for us going forward but I don't want to talk about it again so my old provider is just going to tell you when you're on the phone and they're both fine with that so we went a couple we did go through like four or five sessions without that big key information being disclosed to my new provider because I wasn't in a place where I wanted to talk about it again and they had not yet talked to my previous provider so there's options you don't always need to re-traumatize yourself by talking about the same things over and over and over again when they make you uncomfortable so that's that's another thing to remember as well um what's next um yeah so again therapy appointments are kind of what you make of them and i've learned that especially for my first ones when i wasn't really ready to go and i just wasted a lot of time and a lot of money um you can talk like you can talk about your rough day at school if that's a big thing that you think you need to work through sometimes i go and i literally just spend the whole time saying like i've had this issue at work or i've had this issue with my friends and because my issues have to do with relationships and like having unreasonable expectations and um 
not thinking like not thinking about situations rationally or seeing things rationally so i will go to therapy sometimes and say like there's this nominal issue happening in my friend friend group right now but i need to talk it through with you because i'm not sure if i'm being um practical or not or i'm not sure if i'm being fair and we just spend the whole like we spend a good half hour you know half the time 20 minutes the whole time if we need to going over why i feel a certain way and how i should how i should phrase it or whether i'm being rational or not and that's fine um but you're also there to deal with the bigger issues too so that you don't need to always come to them to discuss those smaller issues you want to get those bigger issues out of the way so that you yourself can start to figure out for yourself whether you're being rational or whether you're being fair or not so those are those are some things to think about now what about when you know therapy sessions are winding down and i don't really need them anymore and i i i i'm about to be discharged or um i'm i'm gonna be on my own for a couple of months and i just am told to go back to therapy if i ever need it again that I don't really have answers for you because I'm not in that place. I'm very much actively in my, like my current um, therapy, my current therapy. What I would say though is I have broken up with a therapist, um, my first one, which I've talked about how we just didn't click or whatnot. And by breaking up, I really mean that um, I never made an appointment again with that individual and their office called me like once or twice you know, within the span of like a couple months just to say like, we haven't heard from you. Do you want to book a new appointment? And I was like, yeah, I'll call you back. And then I never did. Um, so that's, that's that. Um, and then my previous provider, like I didn't necessarily break up with my previous provider. I just kind of moved. So when I'm back in the area, I was like, I'll hit you up, but I'm also seeing someone new. And they were like, okay, well message me if you need something. So that hasn't really been severed. And now I'm with someone new. Um, However, you know, you can do what I did the first time and just not call back. You could say, you could go and just say, you know, I don't think this is working for me. Um, do you have any other referrals? You know, you can be as vague or as detailed as you want. This is your money and this is your psyche and this is your health. Um, so do with it as you will, I, I suppose. Um, what should you do if you know you're being discharged because your your time is up with your your psych your provider and you just need to learn how to fly on your own for a little bit i would say you know keep a note of maybe some certain phrases um or you know reminders that they would always tell you if you were going off the walls or being irrational um keep a note of all of your coping strategies and really try and employ them when you're feeling tested Really do your best to recover them as much as you can in your time when you're not actively seeing someone so that if anything does go awry or you do have a breakdown or whatnot, you can tell whether it's serious enough that it's like, yep, this is enough. I need to get back into therapy instead of having to wonder, like, is this because I, another issue is coming out or is this because I haven't been working on my recovery plan and I'm just starting to relapse like you you want to be recovering as much as you can, even though it's scary and it's hard and it's tiring and all these different things. Um, but yeah, breaking up with a therapist, I can tell you some signs, some, some signs, I can tell you some signs. Um, if you found someone who might be a bad therapist or someone that you don't necessarily want to see, um, if your therapist, you know, well, a, if you just don't click with them, if you're not getting good vibes, not necessarily you're getting bad bad vibes, but also if you're not getting good vibes. And I would also 
preface this with give it a couple of sessions. Again, your first couple of sessions are very much get to know me sessions. My current provider, who I like just as much as my previous provider, and I am like really, I really enjoy my time with my previous provider. Like the moment I stepped into my sessions with them, I was just like, this is great. This is where I want to be. It was completely different than like the very, very first time when I went, when it was more like a chore and less like an occasion. Um, but with my current provider, um, I, I, I personally clicked, um, right off the bat with my previous provider off, off of the first, um, appointment because I was immediately validated by that provider with my new one. I wasn't looking for the same kind of validation right off the bat. Um, so I was a little skeptical and I felt like it was slow going and I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed out of it. Um, however, by the third or fourth appointment or session or about like halfway through the second session when I was like, I need to talk about this thing and they listened and I got their advice and I was like, okay, we can do this. Like I was so into her, but the problem was, you know, it took those first couple set sessions for me to warm up because the first couple sessions was they were learning about me and I was learning about them. So don't just leave after one session and say, you know, fooey, I'm going to go see someone else. It might take, I would say no more than four, maybe if you're at your fourth one, I would say like either at the end of the second or like at the beginning of the third, if there's an issue that you think you can work through and if you feel comfortable, bring it up and say like, Hey, I feel like you talk more than I talk, or I feel like what the way you look at me reminds me of my mom, or I don't like when you type while I talk because the noise bothers me, and see if you can, like, fix it, and by the end of the fourth session, look back at your last four sessions and think, like, is this, am I getting what I want out of this? Is this, like, is this person providing what I need? Do I feel good? Have I been employing, you know, the homework? Have I been employing the strategies, and are they working for me? Um, and it can be hard because depending on people's locations and where they live, like there might not be a lot of options or the options could be too expensive. And I know it's difficult, but try your best to find, you know, someone that works for you. So if you just don't get good vibes, that's one thing. If they don't encourage you to be knowledgeable and research your own disorders or your own medications that could be a red flag now they don't want you they probably don't want you coming in with like a whole wikipedia page worth of stuff of like paragraph four sentence one it said this and we never talked about this or we didn't talk enough about this or we talked too much about this like they don't want to be grilled on things that they went to school for and you literally read one article on however you should be allowed to learn about what you're putting in your body or what your body's doing or why you feel tired all the time or why sometimes you don't want to sleep at all or, you know, why you drive to certain places and then you end up in those places and you realize you're there and you don't even remember why you're there or how you got there, you know, all these things. Um, you should be allowed to research those things. Um, if they don't encourage you to get second opinions if you need them or they don't encourage you to talk about the things that you're learning with your other um your other support providers and that's not to say you give a transcript of every single appointment you have to every other person in your support team but you should be allowed to like go to your physician and say you know this is what's going on with my mental health or you should be able to go to your psychiatrist and talk about what you and your talk therapist are talking about or go to your talk therapist and work out what options your psychiatrist is giving you like you should be able to go to your different providers um on your support teams and 
make up a whole picture out of the different pieces that they are giving you. Um, on the other topic about going to different providers, your provider should also not disclose any of your personal information behind your back to anyone else. That goes against ethics codes and you can literally get their license taken away for this um, without your express and explicit consent and they should not be spreading your information um, or session topics to anyone other than the people you disclose they can give that information to. And this can vary for different people. Some people um, say, you know, hey, call my doctor, call my mom, call my boss, call everyone, let them know my business. And some people are literally like, I don't even want you to know this information really. So like, do not breathe this to your dog, you know, and there's anything in between. Um, Now there are caveats to this. Um, If, if that individual is being audited i believe like either by the insurance company or whatnot they can or they might have to turn over some of the notes of your sessions to prove that what they're doing is warranted or is worthy of the insurance rebates or um the insurance rebates or like they're conducting their practice properly second if there's a court order and the the topics of whatever case you're on your mental health is relevant to it they might be like subpoenaed to speak or to provide that documentation they are not above the law and thirdly unfortunately if you're under age and um and i believe the age depending in places is like anywhere ranging from like 11 to 13 range 10 to 13 if you're under that age um your provider can tell your parents about what you're talking about especially if they think it's harmful like if you're like 8 to 15 and you have a like a substance abuse problem they probably need to tell your parents because those are the people that are watching you and need to make sure you don't get those substances or whatnot but again uh the it's better to get help than to live in fear and to suffer and it's best to walk up into that office and i do this even now i say you know what is your policy Mm, a couple questions to ask which i'm gonna get to but you can walk up to that office and say hey I am not a legal adult. I am a, ma- a minor. What is what is it about my situation? And you can even say, like, my diagnoses are, I don't know, like, sort of eating disorder or a mood disorder or whatnot. Um, what does that mean for the information that you're going to share with my parents? I have substance abuse, abuse problems. What are you going to tell my parents? And what can I know is secret, you know? Um, you have a right to know. And it's good to have open conversation, open and honest conversation with whoever your provider is. That way you don't say something to them and then you go home and you find out that your parents know that you smoke or you're dating someone or all these different things, you know? So you want, you want to be able to have your provider look you in the eye and say, you just told me this information or the information you're going to tell me, I need to tell your parents because it is sensitive. Um, so yeah disclosing information or not allowing you to do your own research or disclose your own information, bad vibes, um, and just things like that, poor practices. If you feel like, you know, they're not paying attention to you or you're, again, you're paying for a service, um, so get your money's worth. A couple of questions that I ask everyone that I meet, regardless of whether it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social worker or someone in passing, this is a question that I ask 100%. Well, one of them used to be, you know, the disclosure thing, but it's pretty much the same across the board. They won't tell a soul unless you're a minor or they are court ordered or, um, or, uh, they're audited for your files. My question that I always ask 
are my provider's um, stances on suicide and talks about the topic of suicidal tendencies and suicidal behavior. And that's because I experience suicidal ideation and suicidal thoughts. And different providers have different thresholds for what they consider a crisis or not. And my fear had always been that, like, if I had told, you know, someone like, oh, yeah, yesterday I wasn't feeling, I was feeling down and I was contemplating different ideas or methods, I didn't want to then drive to my house and find a whole, like, police brigade and ambulance and, like, the fire people at my house waiting for me to, like, take me off to the hospital. So every single first appointment, I need to make sure that whoever I'm seeing is reasonable enough to be able to distinguish an active suicidal like episode between just like passing thought so the general answer that i get or that i've gotten from literally everyone i've talked to is um if we're just talking about it like conceptually or it's it's an idea that you had like three days ago but it's already passed but you want to work it through then that's fine they're open about it and talking about it it's fine but if you come in and you know you you talk about how you're going to hurt someone else and how you have a plan and you have the means. Um, or you talk about how you're going to hurt yourself and you have a plan and you have the means and they feel like they cannot talk you down by the end of the session or they feel like you are still at risk of yourself or others. Um, they may call your emergency contact to come pick you up or to like follow you home and stick with you if they think you're really dangerous and the emergency contact. I, I swear I just heard like the sound of like a moth or like a mosquito flying into a light bulb, which has nothing to do with you guys, but there are spiders in my room sometimes, and that really freaks me out. Anyway, um, yeah, so um, if they feel like you'll, you'll be a further danger to yourself or others, or, um, <clears throat> excuse me, or, um, you know, your emergency contact can't deal with you, they may tell you, that you know your session is about to end and they are going to call the police or call an ambulance and pick you up and make sure that you're okay and you won't hurt yourself or anyone else so it's really important because you know it's nice to have progressive healthcare providers who understand and have common sense but some don't and again it's same thing with being a minor and needing to know what information is going to be disclosed to your parents and when and how how much of it how much detail you want to know how what sensitivity what kind of sensitivity your provider has to suicidal thoughts and ideations and things like that when those are topics you're going to be bringing up because you don't want a nasty surprise and you also don't want to be under supported when you need it you also want to know that this person this individual is going to be able to recognize not only when it's just conceptual and you don't need a a police escort but also when it's really real and you do need a police escort even if it's against your perceived interest at the time like you might be sitting there like no don't call anyone don't call anyone i'm gonna do it like leave me alone but they need to be able to see past that and know when to call someone to help you out um and i think oh another point that i just wanted to to point out which i should have said at the beginning when you're looking for people as well um don't feel bad if, you know, you want a certain gender, you have a problem with females because you're mom or you have a problem with males because you're dad or you want a female because you're female or you want a male because you're male or whatnot, you know, get the gender of person. Again, depending on literally where you live, you might not have a lot of options, but if you have options, look for what you look for what you feel comfortable for or with, you know, um, if you want someone that matches your race 
because you feel like people of your race have specific experiences that have contributed like cultural or traditional or you know external experiences um how the out- outer community perceives you that affects your mental health you might want to see someone who you believe will understand more than anyone else you might want to see someone of your race um you might want to see someone of you know your perceived your economic background if you can figure that out like if you grew up super impoverished or whatnot and you want someone who knows how that feels or you might want to see someone who's had an eating disorder before if you you have one or who has bipolar or you might want to see someone who doesn't have what you have at all even if they specialize in it or even you might want to see someone who isn't your race because an issue could be um notions and ideals and ideas and you know within your culture and traditions that you just want to steer clear of um i personally something that i'm pretty open with i personally am black i have other you know i have other things in my background but i'm perceived and i i present as black um and you know caribbean islander so when i was looking in some part of my journey there was a time when i was looking for a a provider um who was female but who is also my same skin color from my same general background and that's because i believe that you know my background and um things that are unique to black women um affected my mental health as well um the person that i was looking for couldn't see me for reasons of their own availability and what they were doing so i ended up with someone who was not of my race although yeah they weren't of my race and i think they're great I haven't seen a provider that was specifically of my, I've seen ethnic providers, I haven't seen providers that were specifically of my race yet. Um, And while I'm sure there are, you know, contributors that have to do with my race to um, my mental health issues, and maybe once we get over the glaring issues that are kind of universal to everyone, I might shed all everyone in my team and say, no, I need someone who's black right now, because these are the issues that we're dealing with. But you know, my providers are empathetic and hopefully your providers are empathetic as well and even though they will never truly understand like they won't know what it's like to exactly live like you even if you find someone who looks exactly the same as you has the same gender came from the same background they will never live the life that you exactly live so you just want to find someone who's empathetic and willing to listen to your story but also don't feel bad about saying you know like i would like someone from of east asian descent i don't know because there are pervasive norms and cultural practices that i need them to understand because it has directly affected my mental health and that is fine um so that's pretty much it that's 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 what you should expect from going to therapy um all the way from the beginning to the end and some stuff in between uh so as usual my social medias my socials instagram twitter medium which is where my blog is hosted is at purse borderline at p-e-r-s borderline the youtube is personally borderline um i have a website now personally borderline.com which will probably not be updated with like posted updates but you can go there to find links to all of my social medias and anywhere you can find the podcast so just go there for the links um and you can get direct links to like the Twitter and the blog and the medium and everything. It's all on the website, personallyborderline.com. Um, and where can you find the pod? Well, the pod's posted on YouTube and you're listening to it. So I'm sure you already know where to find it. But it's also on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, and Pocket Casts. Um, 
another thing that's a good thing about the website, which isn't for updates, but um, one day this episode's going to be outdated, but the website will always be updated. See what I did there with the newest social media. So if I ever bring back up my Pinterest or I go to a completely new social media or I start like a gaming Twitch channel, who knows? Um, even though that won't be included in this episode, obviously, because those things don't exist, the website will have that information. Um, assuming the website is still up and running whenever you listen to this episode. Um, anything else to note? Not really. Today's question or comment is, um, have you been to therapy before? Are you thinking of going? What questions do you have and what are you afraid of or what expectation do you have? If you've already gone, what are your tips for people to expect? What are questions that you always ask? For for example, for me, I always ask the question about the policy on suicide because I want to know if I'm going to be, be met with police surrounding my car before I, like after I leave a session. You know, I just, I just want to know. What's a question or questions that you always ask? If you were in therapy as a minor and your parents were involved in that, what, how did you navigate that? You know, talk about your therapy experiences and things, you know, tips and tricks that you have, things that you never forget to ask. And if you haven't had a therapy experience, talk about what you're afraid of and what you're anxious about and what you're excited for. And let's all share our knowledge and answers to questions so that everyone feels a little bit more secure when they walk into that office. Also share tips and t- <laughs> share tips and tricks about spotting a bad therapist as well. Um, because I've been lucky and I've had good experiences, but I know people have had a lot of bad experiences and those people will be much better at um, discussing what those bad experiences entailed. Thank you so much for listening to those of you in discovery, recovery, just learning, or anything in between. And as always, I'll be here for you until the next podcast. Bye.